Three, two, one. Welcome. This is the Heltzilla uh, weekly podcast, and it's episode number four. Um, so lovely to be here in Singapore again. Uh, this time I'm joined by Laura and Aki once again. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Hello again. Good to have you on the podcast. Um, something which uh, which we probably should have done previously as well, but just to explain a bit about the context of the Heldzilla Weekly podcast. Um, as you will all know, Heldzilla is is an AI-driven um, personal trainer in, 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 your, in your pocket, which basically drives towards group generating and helping you as a user um, to create healthy habits, which will generate gen- generate healthier lifestyle and um, you know better sleep, better recovery, uh, better body composition, and overall better opportunities for you to lead a longer and healthier uh, and less stressful life um, for the rest of your time, obviously. So um, these these episodes all together uh, really aim towards um, exploring the healthy habits and how to actually uh, generate healthy habits over time. Truthfully speaking, there are no magic pills in terms of, you know, uh, getting healthy or gaining muscle or sleeping better or losing weight. It all comes through healthy habits over a longer period of time. And hence, um, these episodes will then support that. Um, and are, are like a bit of a, an additional information um, around the different healthy habits you can generate within, um, within your, your own life as well. And in this, uh, this episode specifically, we shall dive into one of the key um, habits or health health um, hacks you can do in your life, which is to sleep better, sleep more, sleep longer, and actually, which can be one of, one of the easiest ways to improve your health and well-being overall. So with that said, let's dive straight into it. Um, uh, we have the masters in the house who, who have really um, studied this, this um, um, aspect of sleep um, a lot, and we have uh, added functionalities in the app as well to to track and monitor your sleeping sleeping patterns through your wearable devices as well. Um, so, why is sleep such a such an important topic in our lives? Well, I think um, before we dive into that, why uh, it might be a great idea just to to quickly touch upon how, what kind of a sleepers we are. Because this maybe um, brings the the angle closer to the listener. Um, from what angle are we talking about sleep? And personally, for me, I've always been an extremely bad sleeper. So I cannot sleep. I, I cannot fall asleep easily. Um, I I used to have really bad quality sleep for a long time. Um, I I would say in general, I've struggled with sleep for a big part of my life. And now that I've, I've managed to, I wouldn't say master sleep, uh, but definitely improve it a lot, I notice a significant um, improvement in my overall well-being. So I would say that this personally for me has been one of the, the biggest areas to, to optimize. Um, Aki, did you want to say? Yeah, I've probably been the opposite um, in the sense that I've always uh, been a good sleeper, never found it difficult to fall asleep, usually fall asleep quite quickly. Um, usually, I think throughout my life I, I've slept a good amount, not necessarily 
you know, eight hours always, but I, I'd say like I, I don't have really longer periods of intentional uh, sleep deprivation. Um, I think we'll, we'll get into sleep quality later, but I've actually sort of come to realize that I'm probably uh, good when it comes to, to the overall volume of sleep, but maybe not so good on the quality side. And these days, uh, I don't do it anymore, but for many years, I actually needed to take a nap uh, after work. I would just be so exhausted mentally, physically, that I had to take a little nap, and then I might go back to the gym or whatever in the evening. But um, yeah, I, I guess my appreciation of the, the nuance of, of sleep beyond just the, the amount has, has greatly increased probably in the last even year, I would say. Um, so I, I think it's a good place to start with this kind of theme around the, the healthy habits because really this is, the, I suppose, besides steps, the only guaranteed habit uh, that we all share. It, it is, exactly. And it, it's, it's been funny for myself to realize the fact that I've never really, um, well, never, uh, not until like the last two years, but before that I never really paid any any attention to sleep whatsoever. I, I had this mindset, which I guess can be something which is quite common nowadays, which is that sleep less, work more, grind, grind more 24-7, startup life, hashtag um, grind. Um, so I, I did live that, live that life um, previously, and I never really um, paid attention to, to the effects of lack of sleep or sleep deprivation to your um, e efficiency, how you actually feel, um, how sharp you are uh, during the day, how your body metabolism changes, how your hormonal uh, balance changes in, in the case of sleep deprivation as well. And only within the last two, last two years I've started to really pay attention to, to my sleeping patterns um, and still every other day I, I'm like, man, I did not manage to sleep as I, as I wanted to. Um, so it, it, it is an interesting topic for sure. It's probably one of the, I would assume that for many people it's quite hard to try to manage your sleep in a way where you actually get enough um, sleep or get enough and, and good quality sleep at the same time because there's so many variables in life which would prevent that such as hard work, family, whatever, Netflix, yes, social media scrolling. it's always compromising with your exactly. free time. Yeah, if you go to bed earlier, you will lose some of your precious evening time, which is usually the me time after work and kids Absolutely. and whatever. So I think that's a sort of a mental struggle that you have to convince yourself that this is actually so good for me that I, I, I should go to bed instead of Netflixing or whatever your preference is. It, it is interesting too. So <clears throat> when, I was, uh, when I was dieting and, and losing weight quite a lot and I was on caloric deprivation uh, for a, quite a long period of time, that obviously resulted in, in my sleep quality de deteriorating um, massively as well. And I, it, it got really hard at some stage because I couldn't sleep anymore. I was so um, hungry, <laughs> hungry at times um, and so forth. So that did have a massive impact into my mental sharpness, especially because I couldn't really focus on anything during the daytime anymore. Um, um, and basically the only only thing I could uh, think of um, was food at the time, but it, it was like a, like, a, like a downward going spiral at the time. Um, really, when I, when I realized that, oh my goodness, that sleep is actually linked into hunger levels as well. 
tell the less you sleep, the more hung the hungrier you are. Yeah. Um, there's scientific evidence behind it's this. We will link cycle. all of this yeah. into the show notes um, <laughs> later on. Show notes, by the way, Heltzilla dot AI slash podcast. Yes, your best resource. Um, okay, did you want to sleep into the um, to the scientific part of sleep? Why? we actually need sleep so much because I know you've done some um, great research in the area and um, we'll put all of that um, link all the scientific articles and such to the yeah, yeah to be honest um, a lot of this research or material we had to uh, put together uh, for the app to sort of come up with you know what are reasonable recommendations and what are, what are uh, you know, scientifically sound, but still uh, achievable, doable ways to also measure sleep. Um, uh, and, and I, you know, I guess the, the main dimensions uh, being that, that people know of being uh, obviously the quantity, like how much you're sleeping uh, on average per night, uh, the quality, which is kind of a pretty hype thing now with the different devices that you can measure different sleep stages and their, their kind of proportions. Um, but then I think also one which is maybe more neglected or, or less less obvious in uh, in a way is actually regularity, uh, and these all play uh, you know a factor in in how your body is able to recover. So let's say as an example, if you sleep eight hours, um, but you change the timing of that eight hours within you know the twenty four hour cycle, that's not a good thing. So if you're doing shift work, you're partying on the weekends and constantly sort of changing that, that rhythm of your sleep, your, your body's just not able to, to keep up. You know, the, the body's an amazing adapting tool and I think that's, that's a skill that we humans have sadly learned to uh, leverage way, way too far to the extremes and, and that's what really then leads to you know imbalances and ultimately you know sickness and, and, and whatnot but uh, um, you know evolutionarily or I guess all, all life on the planet has evolved around the 24-hour the cycle and pretty much every animal sleeps eight hours so that is kind of the biological clock that we're all on uh, and, and really I think the, the closer we can follow uh, what what nature has built into our DNA, uh, you know, the better the results. So in some ways, it's ex- extremely simple, but uh, living naturally in a modern, you know, digital world is actually one of the hardest things to do. It is. It is. So what would you then say? I mean, just touching upon what you mentioned about um, measuring, monitoring sleep, because the technology has improved quite a quite a fair bit over the recent years. Um, so many different devices you can actually use to measure sleep. Um, what are some of the best devices you, you've tested yourself? Um, well, yeah, we yeah. were discussing this uh, actually just before the, the podcast of the different generations of not only devices but apps uh, that we've used, kind of starting from the basics. But actually, Laura, maybe yeah. you could just give an overview of where, where we started probably two or three years ago yeah, with yeah. the first versions of HealthZilla and, and starting to gather sleep data and, and where yeah. we are now. Yeah. So basically I, I started with um, with the iPhone because uh, there is an inbuilt um, feature. I, I think it's called... Um, bedtime. Bedtime, exactly. So you can, you can start setting the reminders uh, when it's a good time to go to bed uh, and then accordingly it will measure your sleep based on your... Uh, 
wake up alarm time. So that was my very first um, sleep data generator. And then um, afterwards, when I got, I think I got the Apple Watch, the first generation Apple Watch, which worked nicely with some of the sleeping apps. And I found- But not natively built in uh, even yes. today. Yes, yeah. true. So I was exploring the world of, um, of different sleep apps and I, I was quite fond of Pillow. Mm. Um, but with Pillow, you have this creepy feature, which is, I think it's uh, recording the, the noises. And, yep. and that was kind of, after a while, I figured that's just creepy. I, yep. I, I had to switch that off. And I think it, it definitely affects the quality of the measurement mm -hmm. if you switch that off. But of course. then again, do, do you want them to get your snoring and stuff? Yeah, yeah or, you own? know, I, I think <laughs> the reason... Well, I think you know sleep apps are still a popular category, but I think there's some resistance there when you, I guess, think of this idea of like putting the phone, which is the main source of all your distraction and stress, literally like under your pillow next yeah. to your head overnight. It just feels a bit weird to me yeah. uh, conceptually because I think a lot of, you know, sleep hacking is is around switch the off rhythm the to switch off exactly. Yes. So like yeah. then really. Tying that directly with your phone, I think, is, is uh, can be a blessing and a curse, uh, and, and that's why I think you know the, the more passive wearable devices, then that have come into the market after, uh, do a much better job yeah. with that sort of like passive experience where you don't really need to think about it, you don't need to fuss around with it. It's just something that happens in the background without any direct. Exactly, and then I think the next. Um step was um, testing out the Fitbit, which is, I think, one of the most amazing trackers <laughs> you can have. Mm -hmm. the, the price point is so sweet compared yeah. to the Apple devices <coughs> and, and uh, Aura Ring and, and such. And it has so many beautiful functionalities and, and all of that. So it, it's great at tracking your workouts. It's great at tracking your sleep. The battery life is amazing compared to most other, like I think my Apple Watch is currently about two days, the battery life. Whereas with Fitbit, it's about five days, mm, which is a major difference. And then moving on, uh, about a year ago, um, when Aura changed their design, um, they, they used to look quite different. Like Bobby, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you if you want if you're interested, just Google it. The first generation Aura rings. I had heard a lot of um, praise for that device, mm. and I, I ordered it. I had to wait for six months, which was quite painful. Um, but I've been tracking it, my sleep with Aura ever since. Haven't missed a day. All right. Ever so, uh, it's super convenient. Um, that said, I'm still wearing the Apple Watch at the same time, even at night. I put it to to um, Do you not sleep find, mode. find it too like disturbing? No, nope, not at all. And, and but that said, like I mentioned, I'm the person who doesn't sleep too much. Mm. Um, I try to get as much as I can, but when I go to bed, I fall asleep immediately. I sleep super deep. So any kind of watch bombs, thunder nothing will okay. wake me up yeah. so i would imagine if, if you have lots of light sleep maybe mm. the the watch might be uncomfortable depending on the strap so on but i i think compared to the fitbit it's actually more 
comfortable to wear. Right. Okay. And what do you think, Aki? What 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 tools have you used, and or um, trackers? Which one is your favorite? Um, so I've used a lot of the same ones that Laura mentioned. Um, currently, I'm using uh, the Garmin Vivo Smart, which for me is the most comfortable of all those devices listed. I think it has a good um, balance between um, the, the data that you get, so sleep, uh, workouts, HRV, um, resting heart rate. But the sad truth is they have the worst app uh, out of all <laughs> these guys. And like generally, it's just like pretty low in, in uh, overall app world. And actually, it's, it's not because of the, the design or the, the content. It's just the slowest app in the world. So it, like whether it's the syncing part or just, you know, analyzing the data, it kind of kills the experience if you've got to wait five, ten seconds mm. for, for anything to happen. Um, so I think, you know, if I had to pick one now, I'd probably go with the Fitbit uh, HR models. I think that gives you, you know, basically everything in an affordable, good package except HRV. But, um, you know, that's why even um, with the, the Garmin device, I still use the Healthzilla uh, fingertip scan in the morning uh, to get consistent HRV because... You know, it's kind of getting a little off topic out of sleep, but the, the, the sad part of a lot of these devices is that even though they produce this data, they don't necessarily share that data. So my Garmin has its own stress analysis and HRV analysis, but it doesn't give me the actual number uh, in you know milliseconds that I could compare to anything. Uh, and it also doesn't store their own data in HealthKit. So therefore, even though it does HRV, I can't kind of like use yeah. it, especially in the context of HealthZilla, which is based on you know, ingesting that data through APIs or, or uh, health kit. So then I sort of use that combination of getting the sleep data from my Garmin device, which it does very nicely because it's super comfortable. But frankly, I don't do anything else with it um, except just get that data into health kit and the rest I then do in HealthZilla in terms of, uh, yeah, capturing that morning resting heart rate uh, and HRV value, um, which I then analyze, well, I look at every morning in conjunction with uh, the sleep data, the, the sleep stages, as well as my stress score from HealthZilla, which then takes into account basically not only the sleep, those biometric measurements like uh, resting heart rate and HRV, but also your, your workouts. And looks at the underlying patterns, that's kind of the AI piece there, it looks at the patterns and gives you that sort of simple stress score every day, whether it's, you know, taking a day off and rest or, or you know, good to go, uh, ready for, for action. And um, so th that's become a habit of mine, just the kind of like looking at that combination of data. Um, and obviously with a, with a mindset of, especially now with sleep, I'm much more proactively trying to think of how do I improve quality. Yeah. I'm again, I'm quite good volume wise. So I tend to get almost never less than seven and a half, but usually around eight hours uh, every night. So I'm sort of like, good there but now I'm, I'm moving on to to the quality which yeah. I still uh, think I'm, I'm struggling a little with very good so I've, I've been I've been using three different devices myself I used the Garmin um, which, which I found the same problem as you you did Aki in terms of the app usability um, I've used the Apple watch which I had an issue with it because it sort of woke me up in the middle of the night because the screen flashed on so I thought whoa that's, that's okay um, anyway, so now I've been been using the Aura Ring for for a few few months, maybe maybe half a year, 
be really happy with uh, with the sort of um, usability and, and the and the fact that it's almost unnoticeable when it's when it's on your finger um, as well and it, it gives gives some good data for sure um, so that's that's nice so how do we then put this into context because there, there are so many different devices how to measure sleep but not necessarily like one one singular approach in terms of how to improve your sleep habits so how do we how do we put this into health how does healthzilla basically help people in terms of understanding their own sleep habits yeah and so um what we're doing with the new version, um, which is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks uh, around New Year, um, is just going to start with the uh, the volume. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for it. I, I think the the main thing with with what we're trying to do with this sort of quantification tracking of, of habits is to focus on data points which are first of all easy to measure, um, which can be compared. Uh, objectively between basically different devices and different standards um, and most of all it's something that you can personally directly change with your own behaviors so when it comes to sleep really the the main factors that are in your control are uh, the quantity and the regularity ie like when do you go to sleep and when do you set the alarm that's pretty much the main thing that's in your control and that you can make a decision around um, changing and improving. So I, I think we're, we're learning a lot more about quality, uh, what kinds of ac actions that you can take impact quality in different ways, but I find that that's currently like not robust enough for us to make any like easily quantifiable sort of causality between, oh, you should do this, and therefore you will get this sleep quality as a result. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think we, we, we don't want to go too far into sort of the, the, the woo-woo land um, to get people to do all these biohacks um, if, if there's no real, you know, solid research to show that there's going to be any, mm -hmm. you know, consistent, meaningful uh, results in, in that quality and have people spend hundreds of dollars on gadgets and, you know, hacks just to, you know, get five minutes more of deep sleep. I, I don't think that's that's the trade-off we're going for. So I think at this point, you know, because we cover probably around 15 different habits uh, initially. Uh, so anything from different types of, you know, workouts and uh, steps, sleep, eating, uh, all, all the kind of basic um, stuff, uh, meditation and so forth. So we're, we're trying to cover the, the basics initially on a high level just to make sure like, you know, what is the single metric that we can look at and help you track. So in this case, uh, with sleep, um, really what we're trying to get people to do is to, number one, sleep at least seven hours. So we can come back to discuss, you know, more specifically why, why seven hours. But once we establish that we're only interested in nights where you sleep more than seven hours, that establishes that, like, this, this is the habit that you're trying to form. It's not about, like, sleeping more. It's about sleeping minimum seven hours, right? So you only get points at all on the board if you sleep more than seven hours. That's, that's I think, a huge, huge key thing, right? Um, and then the second part is like, how many times a week are you actually doing that, right? So if you're sleeping seven hours a week, one time a week, your sleep sucks, okay. right? Yeah. Whereas if you're sleeping seven days a week, seven hours, um, I think you've, you've got the basics down at that point. Sure, you know, there's gonna be incremental benefits you can do around, you know, temperature and whatever quality wise and 
sure you can tweak the regularity to make sure. But I think, you know, if you've got a person who's sleeping seven hours, seven days a week, I think they're pretty much like at the 80, 90% level. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then we at least know this person has a healthy uh, sleeping uh, habit. So th this is the part that HealthSilla is going to structure for you and help you track on a weekly basis and kind of, I suppose, gamify, incentivize your progress to sort of increase um, as you, you uh, keep doing that. And th the time frame at which we're examining that is, is uh, 21 days. Why exactly 21 days? Well, it's exactly three weeks and it's sort of the, I would say, you know, standard psychological um, timeline for habit formation. Depends on the habit, of course, but, uh, you know, some, some say six months, some say, you know, few days. But I think the, the most commonly cited one and the, the, probably the most research-based choice is 21 days. So what we're looking at is over the past 21 days, on average, uh, you know, how many times do you get seven hours of sleep? Um, now, why seven hours? This is something that we've debated pretty extensively, honestly, because again, from a purely rational point of view, there's no reason you should sleep less than eight hours because eight hours is like fundamentally, uh, if, if you again look at any animal species, uh, most animals are sleeping at least eight hours. Certain species like lions, um, due to their metabolism and, and sort of their uh, hunting and eating habits, they sleep most of the day, right? So there are animals who sleep even much, much more than eight hours, but like there are no animals that uh, I know of that sleep less than eight hours. Yeah. So that tells you something. and I. Again, I think it's, it's just the, you know, if you look at the way the world works, literally, is we have this 24-hour cycle. So from the single-cell uh, organisms onwards, all life on Earth has evolved in the same cycle of 24 hours. And it tends to include, depending again on seasons, where exactly you are on the planet, but you've got at least eight hours of sunshine every day, if not 12 hours. And, you know, you've got at least eight hours, if not 10 hours of complete darkness yeah. overnight. So that just naturally sets that, hey, it's dark. This is when you're recharging your body so that you can maximize your output productivity for hunting, survival, reproduction, all those good things, you know, during the day. It's just like makes logical sense that evolution would have guided it that way. And, you know, something that Matthew Walker, who's like the, the guru of, of all sleep, um, said, which I thought was really well put, is like, if you think of the survival cost of sleep, meaning you're unconscious for eight hours where anybody could just walk up to you and eat you. Yeah. If it's that expensive, it must be really freaking important, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. otherwise we would sleep five minute naps and then be ready to, you know, jump and punch and kick and claw our way through survival. So clearly if, you know, the human brain has evolved uh, naturally to sleep eight hours, uh, you're just doing yourself a disservice. You're, you're decreasing your, you know, punching power, your productivity, your energy levels, uh, creativity, any, any physical, mental capacity you want to choose. If you sleep less than eight hours, you're just making a compromise. It's just pure facts. And I, you know, I know there's a huge uh, kind of machismo around sleeping less, you know, waking up at 4 a.m., you know, beating everybody else to the gym, uh, all, all that good stuff. But frankly, like, if you just look at the research, the only thing the research shows is like you're just basically asking for trouble, whether that's you know Alzheimer's or <laughs> cancer, diabetes, anything yeah, you choose. Yeah, you're aging yeah. prematurely. It's just like clinically, the definition for sleep deprivation is anything under seven hours, chronically, like anything under seven hours. So six minutes, uh, six hours, forty-five minutes, chronic sleep deprivation. Like there's a lot of people who sleep less than six hours, forty-five minutes, 
And I, you know, I think this, this is why Matthew Walker is kind of a bit of a superstar now with his book and obviously he's been on many podcasts and so forth. But I think people are now sort of, you know, waking up, pun intended, to this, this uh, reality that we've been overlooking such a key part of our yeah. health and, and well-being, both physically and, and mentally, whilst, you know, looking to optimize the 1% in our training and our diet and whatever. But then, it, then again, it's so easy now that the, the New Year's is approaching and all the New Year's resolutions and people will sign up for gyms, they will hire super expensive personal oh, trainers. Yeah. It's so easy because you're paying such good money you know, $200 per session and they're, you know, roasting you and pushing you harder and faster and everything. It is so much easier to justify that in a sense, whereas sleeping is completely, it doesn't cost you any money. It just requires the willpower to go to bed in time and sort of learn a few hacks before you head to bed so that you can fall asleep peacefully and relatively quickly. So I think our psychology is just so twisted because the the things that are free and available and easy to do we just struggle to do them whereas we we don't sort of have any issues paying huge amounts of money for these you know weird things that would optimize the you know the the tiny slice of our training or our nutrition mm -hmm. or such things so Absolutely, and if, if you look into you know the trade-off costs of actually sleeping less and going to the gym, for example, or, or starting your work a bit uh, earlier uh, or such, it does seem like in the short term the trade-off cost or trade-off for for your sleep to do something so-called productive in your life actually would make sense, but it's only in the short term, right? Yeah. So many of us, including myself, previously did not like realize the fact that the it's actually exactly the opposite the trade-off trade-off trading your sleep to something else uh, is ac actually in the longer term going to cost you a lot more in terms of uh, exactly. health uh, degeneration and all, all that and you know you can still wake up at 4 a.m yeah. hit the gym and and do your two-hour workout that's not an issue but if you wake up at 4 a.m you need to go to bed early exactly not exactly. Yeah. in the middle of the night and if you think about it, for most people, do they really do productive things for the last few hours that, you know, from, from 10 p.m. to, to yeah. midnight? I would imagine most people do Netflix, movies, social, uh, media. social media. Is that really yeah, exactly. anything that you would define as productive compared to getting that, you know, two hours of sleep? So I think it's it's mentally it's a difficult thing to let go of your free time, so Absolutely. to say, because the days are so hectic, and you know that might be your only slot of me time. Yeah. But well, then which you are again, trading off for going to sleep, right? So yes. But then, if you wake up well rested, you can still hit the gym or whatever was your goal with the four a.m. wake up. I think it's worth it. And yes. the the key thing is, you should try it. You should learn the habit. You should do it for twenty one days see if you feel better then if you don't then just screw it by all means absolutely. yeah you, you still need to read the research and know that you're aging much more quickly or yeah. doing damage to your brain you know you're prone to more prone to certain uh, chronic diseases and stuff like that if you have that constant sleep deprivation but if you're aware of all that and you you, you still choose not to do it that's fine 
but at least give it a try. Absolutely. That good so that, that, that sort of great lead-in into discussing, you know, maybe in a bit more detail about what the science actually says about um, the uh, negative implications of sleep deprivation. Is it is, you hear people saying a lot of stuff, what does sleep deprivation cause, but what's the truth behind this? What does the science say currently? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a horror show. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I would almost say that there is no aspect of your health and performance which is not negatively impacted by sleep deprivation. So, you know, again, I think the, the reason there is so much maybe uh, uncertainty around, you know, sleep and and again a lot of people who sort of say that you know kind of like you know the less the better you, you know you sleep when you die and all that but um, just it's not what the research says so uh, there could be some personal differences I think so like maybe you won't get Alzheimer's but you might get cancer so I, I think again it's just a matter of like weighing your your risks there's just like no scientific justification for sleeping less than seven hours. So, I, you know, I can pick out a few things. Um, and, and obviously, we, we have all these links uh, that you can check out the, the studies and read for yourself. But um, uh, I, I think, broadly speaking, they, the, the sleep kind of benefits uh, could be split into two groups. There's really the mental stuff, which relates to your, your brain. So mental in the sense that it is, you know, your mental capacities, which are being affected. Um, and then the second is all of the other physical stuff. So, you know, I think what research is generally showing is that sleep is not just, um, you know, your, your kind of brain reorganizing memories. It's like a very proactive uh, process throughout your entire body. Like a lot of stuff is going on actually during your sleep, including the brain, but certainly not uh, limited to. So, you know, if, if I could pick a, a few major ones is um, on the body side, you have the immune system uh, and your liver. So as an example, like if, if you uh, don't sleep enough, uh, it is actually very, rather quickly, um, you know, dramatically decreasing uh, your immune response to different things. Now, of course, it, you know, that could mean, oh, you get the flu easier. But it could also mean that because you know your your immune system includes the uh, the so-called killer cells, which are cleaning out you know uh, malignant or cancerous cells, um, you, you can literally get cancer by not sleeping enough. It's it's, it's you know pretty terrifying. I'm, you know what, what are the exact percentages? Uh, you know how much uh, sleep do you need to lose before that becomes like um, a real risk? Hard to say, but there are some studies, and again, you can find the links here that say that you know, for example, those those killer cells can be suppressed up to thirty percent by That's sleep deprivation. So you know, like, what does that mean in terms of your your statistical risk for getting cancer? Well, there's a lot of different factors, and it starts with you know, what is your sort of genetic uh, propensity for different types of cancers? Like, why would you choose to have thirty percent, you know, uh, uh, lower um, immune response? Uh, to, to cancers, it's like, it makes no sense. Um, and then on the liver side, uh, same thing, um, that uh, actually, 
even just, you know, again, under seven hours of sleep chronically can lead to symptoms of pre-diabetes. Um, so like, you know, you, you can almost do an, uh, kind of a test yourself. There's a lot of um, material on this that like if, if you, for example, you actually don't sleep at all one night or a few nights, so you totally do total sleep deprivation. Uh, you, you can actually like measure this in your blood glucose and you're, you immediately see there's a change in your liver's ability to, to process glucose. So like you literally become almost diabetic by just not sleeping. So like, again, you, you see how complicated yeah. sort of the underlying processes are and then we don't really understand. But the fact is sleep, because it's so simple in a way, uh, there's a lot of studies about it because it's quite easy to just like deprive animals or humans of sleep and see what bad things happen. And you know, the, the, there's so, hundreds of studies to show that really, really bad things um, happen. And I just found just here on this page, looking at these, these uh, research links that um, what we were just talking about immunity that actually, uh, again, chronic sleep deprivation, anything under seven hours, uh, means that you are actually 300% more likely to contract the flu virus when exposed. 300%. Yeah. That's crazy. It's insane. It is. Right. It is. Insane. Like, so like, you, you know, you, you know, people who seem to never get sick and you know, people who are always sneezing and that kind of thing. Like, you know, that's a good place to start. Like, are you sleeping? Are you not sleeping? Like, do you have, you know, sleep issues, whether it's quality or quantity wise, like it can be that simple. Like it's, it's almost, if you look at this sort of list of things here, it's like a wonder drug. It even, you know, talks about, um, physically in terms of recovery from uh, workouts. So like deep sleep uh, is actually uh, clearing cortisol, boosting growth hormone. So like, again, if, if you're a total meathead and you're only focusing on, you know, increasing the, the girth of your biceps, you should still sleep. Like again, it's exactly. like, yeah, you can go to the gym at 4 a.m. if you want, but then you need to be going to sleep at 6 p.m., right? It's like choices. Uh, well, maybe 6 p.m., I guess 8, 8 p.m. But still, uh, like it, it is really, every process in your body that gets affected. Um, and that, so that was, you know, some of the physical stuff, but then the, the mental stuff is probably, you know, I guess in some ways the, the worst because um, what, you know, one of the main functions during sleep is the clearing of amyloid plaques in your brain. So these are the sort of proteins that uh, naturally accumulate. Um, and what is Alzheimer's? It is the chronic accumulation of amyloid plaque. So again, it's, it's like, the diabetes thing, like if you don't sleep chronically, like you will artificially give yourself Alzheimer's or kind of a, you know, a, a direct path to a one-way ticket of just total mental degradation where there's no return, like there's no cure for Alzheimer's. So once you allow that to accumulate, uh, there's no wonder drug. You know, the only thing you can do, the wonder drug here is sleep. If you sleep and you at least do that consistently, you know, you're giving yourself a chance that even if you have some genetic predispositions or, you know, you're sort of at the, the wrong end of the gene pool, uh, at least, again, the healthy habits, right? Like, simple as that is, is sleeping seven, eight hours a day, and at least you're giving yourself the best chance, exactly. right? You're not... Yes, or maybe postponing mm -hmm. that to the distant future. Um, exactly. So, you know, the, um, the, the sort of... I guess other main things on the the, um, the brain side of that equation would be then, uh, you know, performance. I, I think, again, a lot of people, you know, they, they're more in the camp of, you know, sleep is kind of a you know, nuisance. 
you know, productivity is about stimulants, coffee, cigarettes, uh, workouts, uh, whatever, what have you. Um, but, you know, if, if you uh, skip one night of sleep, your measurable learning ability goes down by 40%. 40%. 40%. So you're basically an idiot <laughs> after one day of no sleep. And, you know, I've tried this in the Army. Uh, I, I think we went probably two days even uh, yeah. with marginally... Uh, any sleep. I once fell asleep in a ditch during uh, an actual like live military exercise. So that <laughs> I'm, I'm a good sleeper. <laughs> I can vouch for that during a uh, live fire. But uh, in any case, um, you know, you, you, you can feel it. Like if you skip one night of sleep, you, you're just overall ability to think rationally, make decisions, focus. Just gone out the window. So again, learning, learning ability as well, right? So yeah, it's 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 all part of that same yeah. equation. So if like you took an IQ test or something, it would you would show a meaningful uh, decrease. So so you know, it's it's such a simple thing, but such a such a powerful thing. Um, the the last one I'll just drop in here is about aging because it's you know, oh yeah, I would say it's a pretty big focus of ours in the motivations for Healthzilla and sort of the way we structure the app and, and uh, a lot of the, the content that we think about is, is around that, like how do we just not live healthy and productive in this moment, but hopefully for a very long time. And um, The sad truth is that uh, the research shows that actually your, your deep sleep, which is again the sort of physically restorative type of sleep, um, uh, that actually goes away uh, when you mm. age. So. Um, when you are, um, say, 50 years old, you have half of the deep sleep on average uh, that you had when you were 20. And when you're 80, you basically have no deep sleep. Which so, is crazy. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, like, w which comes first? Is it because you have no deep sleep that your, your body's actually, you know, sort of falling apart? Or is it because you're falling apart that you have no deep sleep? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think we have conclusive evidence for that yet, but it's just one of those kind of natural biological facts that, um, you know, this is a big part of your vitality when you're 20 year old is, is that you have a lot of deep sleep. You yeah. know, that's why you can hit the gym every day and not feel it at all. You can eat whatever you want because your body's just like bouncing back. It's having an instant reset button overnight. Um, and, and, you know, right now, for example, me, I, I, that's my problem is actually I have quite a lot, uh, low amount of deep sleep naturally it could be out of an eight hours i might have half an hour deep mm -hmm. sleep and you know what's what's the right amount I, I think there's a lot a lot of stuff there but you would want it to be probably in the hour to two hour range um and obviously there's biohackers who probably have even half of their sleep uh, be deep sleep but so you know deep sleep is not Everything. The other part of that sleep, sleep quality equation, we might as well get into it since we're, we're talking about it, Absolutely. is, is um, REM, sleep. REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, um, which is usually the latter part of the night. So generally speaking, for most people, deep sleep happens when you fall asleep. So you sort of go off the cliff right away, go into this deep sleep mode where you're not moving at all. And that is, again, what's best in terms of the physical uh, recovery. So whether it's your muscles, it's your liver, uh, it's your immune system, those are the things that are getting sort of rebooted in this deep sleep uh, phase. Now, 
This is where, of course, the um, immediately the, the not only the, the length but the timing of your sleep, the regularity plays a part. So even if you sleep eight hours but you go to sleep two hours later, that's your deep sleep gone. You're not going to get it because your body doesn't sort of work on your clock. It works on the clock of the earth and the sun, right? So that's, that's um, sadly encoded into our DNA and with, with all of the digital hacks and stuff, you're not gonna change that very easily. So um, ultimately it's the regularity for deep sleep that is very important. So you wanna go to sleep at the same time. Um, we, we can get into later sort of the, the different hacks that I'm trying to, to boost my deep sleep, but, but um, uh, that's obviously the most sensitive to what you're doing before sleep because that's the, the phase that you sort of get into quite quickly. Whereas then uh, REM sleep, which is sort of the um, brain's restorative, the mental restorative type of sleep for your memory, again, clearing the plaque from your brain, uh, all of that good stuff, reorganizing your memory, everything that happens in, in sort of the brain during sleep. A lot of that is actually during uh, REM sleep, and that's at the end of your sleep. So that's kind of the, the late to morning sleep. So um, what, what I've seen in, in research is generally the, the main factor there is actually uh, stress. So actually, if you go to sleep stressed, uh, it's going to affect your REM sleep in the later stages of the night. Uh, alcohol, very easy way to completely delete your REM sleep. Again, the, the portions are going to be very individual, but generally speaking, uh, you know, heavy drinking during the week, that, that sort of partial hangover that you can still carry into the week can be partially just from the fact that like you basically skipped on the reset button for your brain. Yeah, you could s totally crash and sleep for 14 hours, um, but it's basically sedation. You're, you're basically passed out physically yeah. from the alcohol. So you're not actually restoring your brain at all. You wake up basically in a worse state than when you went to sleep yeah. because you know, you've gone potentially one or two days uh, without giving your brain a kind of the pause button, which it uh, needs. So those, those are the, the two main kind of quality factors. Of course, there's light sleep in between and you know, there are benefits to that, but that's almost like the, the in-between. So the, the two big ones are deep sleep, REM sleep, yeah. and then anything that's not one of those is either being awake or, light sleep. Uh, or then it's light sleep. In my case, um, I have loads of deep sleep. So even, I would say last weekend when I had only four and a half hours of sleep due to me having a life and being out um, <laughs> quite late, I got home late, had to wake up really early the, ne the next yeah. morning. So I had a total of four and a half hours of sleep and out of that, I think two hours and 20 minutes That's was amazing. deep sleep. Because I did not drink, so I just stayed okay. Um, okay. stayed up late. Mm -hmm. Whereas constant the, the the constant issue with my sleep is the lack of REM sleep. Sure. So I get around ten, I would say from nine to thirteen percent of REM sleep. My aura is nagging about it every single night. Um, but I I've been reading a lot about that, and as Aki mentioned, it might be due to stress. So it has been Very a heavy well. year, um, and I would say, I've, like with Aura, you get pretty good statistics about the quality mm -hmm. of sleep and so on, so that I can actually look at it, but it would be interesting to have data from, I would say, five years back from different stages of life. And one thing um, we actually didn't touch yet was um, 
the times when you actually cannot sleep. So I would imagine for the guys, it's the, the military service where you're sort of, yeah. uh, you, you test your limits, um, you have to stay awake all night and so on. Um, for females, it's many times when you have kids, when of they're course, babies. Yeah. And I would say in my case, I did not sleep for two and a half years without waking up at night. So in the beginning, it was like I had to wake up 10 times a night. When they were two and a half, mm. approximately it ended. But up until then, it was at least yeah. once a night. And I would get out of the bed, go and help the kids to fall asleep again, and then go back, fall asleep again. But I would say that that was a long period of time when I was not sleeping properly. Of course, of course. And there are, there are millions and millions of moms in that same situation who yes. have gone through it or are going through it as well. And probably people who work in shifts True. who have very irregular patterns. Mm. And I think the hacks that we're going to talk about next that might be sort of helping a bit yeah, in a absolutely. sense that in life you have so many different situations sometimes you just have to accept it is what it is but I'll still make the most out of it try to optimize whatever I can yeah. in a sense but you, you, you have to come to terms with it because sort of especially when it's about babies you cannot just tell them that you know start sleeping <laughs> especially if they're your exactly. children and you know you were really bad at sleeping all your life yeah. so it's, it's in their genetics that they're not really good at sleeping when they're young of course, um, of so they, they, you kind of have to give yourself a bit of slack as well so if you don't hit that seven hours don't don't give up don't think you know i'm gonna get cancer and alzheimer's and whatever you know sick and all the bad stuff because that's ultimately just a phase in mm. life is, yeah. and during that heavy rough phase you just try to do the the best you can optimize absolutely, yes absolutely. exactly okay so this is a, a really interesting bridge to then examine what are the what are some of the things that we can do um, in our lives in terms of habits to improve the sleep improve um, the length of our sleep improve the quality of, of our sleep as well so what 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 are some of the the, the things that you guys have built into your lives to uh, to optimize that yeah um, I would say they fall into three categories um, probably the, the one that sort of gets talked about the most if you look at the media and, and you know general content other podcasts is sleep hygiene so that definitely that's 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 kind of a big one we could talk about that um, I think a very underrated one is actually sleep preparation it's almost like everything that you do in the the last few hours before you sleep I think is personally anecdotally um, the biggest bang for your buck and then finally I would say uh, sleep aids so you know I guess that's usually more for people who have trouble maybe staying asleep um, uh, then you know you, you can look at tools there but um, so you know what are those maybe we should just um, uh, dive in um, so we can start with sleep hygiene because that's, that's the one maybe uh, you know most people have heard about so that's generally kind of like little hacks that you can do to uh, generally improve quality uh, of sleep so again um, I think one thing that uh, for example Matthew Walker talks about is in terms of the regularity that um, his view was that actually um, more important than when you go to sleep is when you wake up 
just from the, the, the sort of body's ability to cope with the changes and, and you know, stay with the, the hectic um, kind of schedules of your life. If, if you have to sacrifice one, it's better actually to sacrifice, apparently, on uh, when you go to sleep rather than when you wake up. Mm. Which is actually counterintuitive. Yeah. Like yeah. most people think of it the exact opposite way. So that that's that's one that you can certainly uh, try with. Because again, you know, there's circ- circumstances where it's like non-negotiable. But like maybe you can try to, you know, flex on the other side of that equation and just try to always set a, you know a fixed wake-up time, um, which I think generally is is quite helpful in terms of like habit building and, and kind of routines is because it leads into then a morning routine course, and yeah. you know everybody has morning schedules around work and stuff so I think that that kind of wake up cycle is, is a good place to start um, other hygiene things light um, so you know I think when I was a kid I never liked to sleep in the dark um, our daughters are a little bit the same you know I think a lot of kids are that they just don't like to be in a pitch black room but ideally that's exactly what you would want like pitch black um, and immediately uh, when they are asleep, I go close the door, <laughs> so it's pitch black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly so, enough, when 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 I take them to to Northern Europe um, over the summer, when there's no darkness at all, they require a sleeping mask, so oh, okay. they cannot sleep mm, without yeah. the darkness. Yeah, yeah. So they're still yeah. so used to that. That's true, and I, I think that's actually true of many people, even in Finland, that in the summer they kind of you know struggle a little bit with it because it, it is such a dramatic change that suddenly it's like there's sunlight at 10 p.m. and you're supposed to go to sleep and it's like well <laughs> like you know I don't even need lights on in the house because it's still shining outside so then you like need to invest in better curtains or, or things like that to make sure that you actually decrease the amount of light because again you know the, <laughs> they've actually done research on this that if you put an invisible light sensor behind the, the knee of a person in a place where they can't detect if there's light or not. They've done placebo-controlled tests and they can show that if you put like a blue uh, light um, that is just inside of your knee, it will actually uh, show up in the, the quality of your sleep. Sure. That's all, all, all you need. Okay. So it's, it's not even your eyes, it's the any body. part of your skin. Yeah. So it is, you know, your body is that sensitive uh, to light. So the worst kind of light is blue light, which is hilarious because um, you know a lot of the sleep devices, like we have a, a HEPA air filter, and it's like full of little blue LEDs. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. You almost want to like punch it with a screwdriver and break the, the LEDs or, or tape it over. But you know, again, chargers. Why do they have those crazy bright LED lights? It's just like totally unnecessary. Um, of course, major offender TV, uh, iPad, laptop, phones, uh, you know, with a bright light in your face. So the least you can do is, you know, at least on the iPhones nowadays, it's, I guess it's automatic that it adjusts the color temperature to be warmer or more yellowish warmer. Um, after, I, I guess it's like when, when basically when sundown mm. happens, uh, then it's trying to adjust to your body's kind of biological clock. Um, to, to make sure that your body starts feeling, oh, it is dark. Because if you've artificially lit the whole house, blasting your LEDs and your blue you know, lights, you're kind of trying to fool your body. Oh, it's not actually dark. But your body has the 24-hour cycle built in. This is why you get jet lag as well, is because it's sort of confused. It's like, hold on, like it's been, it's counting all the time. So all your organs actually have individual clocks that, that are counting. 
So they know that it's like your overtime, but then they're still getting the light, so they're like, oh, what's going on? Am I supposed to shut down the liver or not? Am I supposed to shut down all these functions, go into restorative mode or not? And so therefore, you know, Ben Greenfield, love all these guys. They're, they're wearing their um, goggles. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, blue light uh, blocking glasses to, to look fashionable. Um, also the Formula One drivers. I read a, yeah. a book from Dr. Hinza, uh, which was about, you know, how, how he's how he's optimizing the life of his mm -hmm. F1 drivers when they travel from one country to another and they need to be on top of their game. It's crazy how they at times tape the windows in the hotel rooms. They go there in advance and they, all these crazy things that they do. Yeah, but I guess it's, you know, when you're trying to improve 1% here and there in, in this kind of competition, um, you, you know, it's, it's cheap, you know. Put the put the curtains, uh, you know, block the lights, turn off the phones. It's it's like again, it doesn't cost anything, so that's why it doesn't feel that like amazing. But um, the the sum of all these little hacks can be, you know, going from bad sleep to good sleep. Um, another one that gets talked about a lot in terms of the hygiene category is temperature. So actually, like research says that 80 degrees Celsius, which is 65 Fahrenheit, is optimal. That's like super low. 18. 18. Yeah, one yeah. eight. That's, that's yeah. quite low. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Adds up to your aircon bill as well. Well, yeah, it depends where you live. In, in Finland, it's the opposite. You know, you can save on your warming bill uh, of electricity if you just uh, let in the, the snow, <laughs> open the windows, get super good sleep hygiene. Um, so I think 18 is quite low. Personally, uh, I don't think I could do it because then I think what you would do is then you would just put like more pajamas and like thicker blankets. Like blankets and stuff. Like yeah. 18 Electric is, blanket is very low so I don't know if I could pull that off but apparently that's that would be optimal for again uh, sleep quality mm -hmm. so you know more deep sleep more REM sleep so that's the the basic hygiene category again the main thing being probably around the light that's that's the the major offense that everybody commits um, so how what would you then recommend that that um, would be the time when phones and TV should be clicked off uh, before going to bed well frankly like the honest truth is the the less you get after sunset the better uh, when it gets because dark. your body is in sync with with the amount of light so you know if you're trying to fool it by artificially extending that mm -hmm. that period of light uh, you are actively actually messing with your body's and your brain's ability to recover so really like you know, I'm not saying, you know, go, go dark uh, after 6 p.m. here, but um, again, it can just be a factor of like in our house, we have both uh, blue lights and then we have uh, yellow lights. So I generally just try to turn off the blue lights yeah. uh, when I come home. So yeah. when I go, to, go home after work, I'll, I'll generally go through the house. If there's any blue lights on, I'll turn it off. Um, and in fact, we have even a, a kind of light bulb. I forget the manufacturer. I'll, I'll check it. We can put it in the show notes. But... Um, it's, it's a cool one where every time you uh, turn it on and off, it switches from blue light to yellow light. Mm -hmm. So when I turn it on in the morning, it goes automatically to blue light. And then when I turn it off, and then when I come back home, turn it on, it's automatically warm okay. light. That's, that's kind of cool. And then there's like very fancy, expensive ones like the Philips Hue, where you can like choose the exact Kelvin temperature of the, the light. <laughs> Probably if, say if to Alexa and yeah. then... <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, you, you, can, uh, you can do all that. But then again, for me, like there, it's like Wi-Fi controlled. So like, does it really make sense then to have like Wi-Fi signals in your bedroom, uh, like going through everything? I think that's one of those 
let's say, more controversial sleep hacks. Mm. Some people swear by it that, you know, airplane mode, shut off the Wi-Fi, unplug every device, basically, you know, like turn off the main uh, uh, electricity from your house. So that, that can be a bit extreme. But what I always do is airplane mode because I, I think there's partially it's, you know, a bit of the Wi-Fi signal like, hey, can I just decrease that? But I think it's also just being conscious of like, I don't want to get any notifications while I'm sleeping exactly. where the screen suddenly comes on. But also like, I don't want to wake up to a phone that's like a list full of notifications. I want to control when and if that sort of blast of, of you know social media stuff uh, comes on. So that that's an easy one. Yeah, would you then could could you then say that okay, well, if if I, I was to implement better um, better habits in terms of this, I, I could like if I go to bed at ten, so then the le- the last time I would look at my phone or computer would be around nine, say hour before that, or is, is there any Make generic? It I haven't seen any specific research on that, but I think, again, like, um, I think a big part of that is going to be like, let's say, like, I I read a lot, uh, usually from my phone, even in bed, but I'll have it on airplane mode, I'll have it on the dark mode, and then within, say, like a reading app like a Kindle, you can set it to a black screen with a yellow font. So like it's actually very little light that is coming into your your skin and your eyes. So you know you can do things like that to minimize the impact. But obviously, I've you know, changed the, to audiobooks entirely. Okay. It's like a yeah. lovely bedtime story. I, I I listen to it in bed. Sure. Very sure. quiet voice. It's a very soothing, soothing way. Yeah. It has improved my my sleeping habit so much. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're starting from say a baseline of watching TV in the bedroom. Like going from that to audiobooks could be like a huge yes. improvement Absolutely. because the TV is super bright, blasting your, your retinas and your skin with blue light and constantly changing patterns. It's like really sort of disruptive uh, thing. So that's at least one like Netflix or TV generally, like that's one I would try to avoid if possible and look at like books, audiobooks, something more passive like that. But then, you know, this is getting into the sleep preparation. But the, the funny thing is that the it starts during the day. So depending on how sensitive you are to caffeine, um, again, what Matthew Walker, King of Sleep, would say is um, 1 p.m. is the cutoff point for tea and and coffee. So like, you know, (laughs) the funny thing is like on average, actually uh, to completely uh, get rid of the caffeine in your body is around, it's, it's, you know, on average more than 24 hours. On average. on average, I've read something towards the caffeine half-life being on average around six hours. Exactly, yeah. half hour, half-life. half-life. But that yeah. means half of it is half, still left, yeah. right? Half-life. So, uh, you know, even though you can get most of it out, but like again, if we're starting to like put all these little pieces together, yes, maybe you know it doesn't make a difference if you have the tea or coffee one p.m. or three p.m. But if you're combining all of these hacks together maybe each of them contributes like five percent but if you want like hey i want to double my deep sleep it's probably not going to be like one thing oh i dropped the temperature now my deep sleep is double you're going to have to go through this whole freaking list to make any meaningful difference and i think that's why again you know initially with the 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 app healthzilla we're focusing more on the the uh, quantity because as we're seeing from these there's so many factors like this list is friggin you know 30 items that you're gonna have to build into your routine so it's not like a quick win yeah. the quick win is really just getting the seven hours but if we're starting to split hairs and like in my case I want to increase my deep sleep because I feel it's too low um, then recently the one I've been spending the most time on is sleep preparation so yes um, coffee tea 
Uh, alcohol, that's one. So again, highly personal. Um, some guys have done testing. So even Peter Atia, he's, he's looked at his aura, sleep values, his HRV, his sleep stages. And for him, I think he said it's like two doses or like, I guess technically there's like two glasses of wine or, or you know, two beers. Uh, for him is the cutoff point. So yeah. immediately when he takes the second dose, he'll see it in the data. Um, for me, I guess, because I'm Finnish, I, <laughs> I don't see it that quickly. Okay. So I, I haven't gone to the threshold quite yet. I don't usually drink that much. So if I'll have something, I'll have a glass of wine or like a little uh, dram of whiskey. So I never have like two or three, I almost never have more than that. So I'll have several times a week, I'll have like a little um, bit of alcohol, but I, I therefore haven't really seen it in my data. But again, like... If you're in a habit where you're like, oh, alcohol helps me to get to sleep, that's where you want to be very conscious of, like, how much alcohol is that? And is it, like, every day? Because, again, there's a difference in, in quality here that alcohol, while it may make it easier to fall asleep, it is very badly decreasing the quality of your sleep. And again, like, I, you know, when it comes to Lauren, we've discussed kind of her sleep volume versus quality. I would be as bold to say that quality is probably more important than quantity so I think those people who are sort of heroes and they sleep five six hours or whatever I think if you looked at their data it's pr probably quite likely that their quality is actually comparatively high so mm, again maybe they just have a little bit of light sleep and then it's just like half the rest is you know deep sleep and REM sleep so they're actually getting the regenerative <clears throat> processes going very efficiently whereas in my case it's almost the opposite <laughs> that like I need my eight hours to sort of get even like a decent amount of uh, recovery so again um, sleep preparation so Alcohol, coffee, something to uh, think of. The devices we already talked about. Uh, ideally, no TV in the bedroom at all, including I Netflix, I suppose. Yeah. Um, ideal to switch off an hour before bed, uh, latest. Uh, and this is a very simple one, but I still have to mention it. Do not work late in the evening. Oh, I, yeah. I, I used bad. to work as That's a consultant. Yep. I would put the kids to bed. I would go and back to work yeah, yeah. and work on my laptop for hours, like until 11, maybe 12. And then the, the worst thing is I got really hungry. So I would have, I would make myself a hot steaming bowl of ramen noodles, yeah. have a relatively like big portion of food, keep snacking because I was getting tired. So I would have like sugary snacks. Yeah, yeah. I would continue working and then finish maybe at midnight. And then I would be asleep maybe at two because it took me such a long time to switch off Absolutely. wind down yeah. and then sort of burn the sugar and everything that was disturbing my falling asleep process plus my actual sleep yep i think anything which is stressful you should avoid for a few hours before bed and again like that's why it's very natural for animals to hunt during the day it's natural for people to work during the day those animals, those you know, nocturnal animals that hunt during the night, they sleep the whole freaking day. Mm -hmm. So like they're not doing something during the day and then hunting the whole night. Like it's either or. So I think for humans, uh, you work during the day. Once your work is done, you try to just totally leave it. I know it's hard with emails, social media, WhatsApp, and all that. But I think uh, you know if you can, airplane mode two hours before uh, sleep would be a good place to start because you know you're not going to get bombed with notifications you're not going to proactively be posting on social media and, and you know doing work or, or that kind of thing 
Um, but then I think the, the two other big ones which people abuse quite a lot is uh, food and workouts. I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. So this is one I think people are just not conscious about. And again, because you know people want to do everything. They want to have it all. They want to work long hours. They want to have children. They want to work out. They want to, you know, I don't know, do, do all sorts of things. Be social, meet friends, whatever. So like you cram everything in for a lot of people, sadly, then the workouts and food comes late in the evening. And that's sadly... Again, uh, using the circadian clock. So this is that natural rhythm of your body that's used to the 24 hours, the night and the day. So when the sun goes down, it is starting to already trigger your body to start kind of getting into more of the restorative processes and shutting down some of the kind of active things that you need during the day to, for peak performance. So if you eat after sunset, especially like heavy big meals, say you know one, two hours before bed, <laughs> you're basically telling your body, Oh, by the way, Mr. Liver, uh, don't do any of that regeneration. I'm going to cram you full of this food that you're going to have to digest and process uh, for the whole night. So you're kind of telling part of your body, oh, you don't get to sleep. Your brain might get to sleep, but liver, no, not so much. So again, if you want to regenerate your liver and not get diabetes and you know all these other nasty things like you know killing your immune system, that's an easy thing. Like don't eat up to four hours before bed ideally, but I would say like at least two before bed, but ideally four. So you're you don't not necessarily going to sleep with an empty stomach. You can adjust your calories and your kind of meal composition accordingly, but certainly no midnight snacks, yeah, no pre-bed ice cream. I used to do that all the time with Laura. <laughs> Um, I've, I've learned my lessons uh, now, but the other thing is also workouts because it's unnatural for your body to be performing at its peak when it's supposed to be shutting down. So what you're going to do then is it's just like the light, it's just like the food. If you do a hard workout, you know, 9, 10 p.m. and then go to shower and then sleep, like your body is not shutting down. It's going full steam. It's like, oh, I'm fighting tigers. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, trying to rescue... Uh, children i'm trying trying to you know uh, procreate here so like it's in the completely wrong mode because you fooled your body into kind of believing that it's not actually time uh, for sleep so this is all of this is just like the sleep regularity the habits before sleep should also be regular and i think once you start putting the pieces together with how does your you know morning routine fit at the end of the sleep how does that go into your work day how do you incorporate lunch workouts picking up the kids, you know, dinner, shopping, all the things you have to do to then allow yourself that sort of two hours before sleep, whenever that sleep fits into your schedule, to sort of not do those things. So like it's taken me probably two years to sort of figure out how to fit all those pieces yeah. together. And then, you know, life circumstances change. You have children, you move to different cities, you change jobs. It all kind of gets blown to bits and you have to put the pieces uh, together once again. But this is, again, like I think... You know, the sort of motivation for us to do this healthzilla thing is like, how do we help people at least track what those healthy habits are so they can sort of structure around like, where do I want to be with my habits? And then where am I actually now? And sort of on a weekly basis, kind of give them that cycle of saying, okay, I've ticked my boxes now. I've done my steps this week. I've done my sleep this week. I still need to do my workouts and whatever they are to sort of try to get to this place where you're, you're happy and you can say that, okay, like the the level of habits, healthy habits that I want to do to kind of get to the lifestyle and the results that I want for my health um, are going to be a result of those healthy habits, right? I think humans are too focused on the results. So if I want to lose weight, oh, I, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm not, you know, 
exercising, then I'm just like totally not eating. So we sort of focus on one thing to the exclusion of all the other things. But sadly, I think what we're finding now in the research is it's all linked. If you want to lose weight, you better be sleeping. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're going to be in this friggin' pre-diabetic mode where your body's kind of pumping uh, sugar into your you know, fatty liver cells and like, oh, why am I actually getting fatter and not losing weight? It's like going to all the wrong, wrong places. Your muscles start atrophying and then you're getting a like bigger gut. So it's like, it's the whole thing. You, you can't optimize just for one thing to the exclusion of everything. Um, and I think that's, again, where we're trying to structure things to make it a little bit easier for people to at least kind of track what they're doing, to understand that kind of balance of, of the things that you need to have in place to, to call your life basically uh, healthy. So that's true. Um, in terms of um, any of any of the sleep aids, um, do, you, do you guys use any sleep aids yourself? The one I've started using is, um, a sleep mask because again I, I, I find that I'm quite sensitive to light uh, especially if I'm a little stressed out which I've been again um, probably the, the you know 2019 has been a heck of a year uh, work-wise doing a lot so I, I've noticed that probably because of the increased stress I've been more sensitive to light and I've noticed definitely that I find it easier to fall asleep and stay asleep um, just with a little uh, sleep mask. So I use like a, a one, one that I got from a, an airplane, so it's not like a special right. one. I know there's like tons of special ones with different properties and levels of comfort. I think finding one that is comfortable is the most important thing. The, it's not, you know, uh, pressing on your ears and it's not sliding around and, and those kind of things. Um, I think a very you know, underrated one um, is actually the quality of your bed and your pillow. You know, people buy curved LED TVs for thousands of dollars and new cars and, and you know, expensive jewelry and clothes, and then they sleep on the same, same, you know, shitty bed that they've had for 10 years, which is all rickety and, you know, springs pointing left and right. Like, uh, we actually invested in very expensive bed uh, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. And it's like actually still in like super good shape. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. And I think like, you know, it used to be when we went to like nice hotels, I'd be like, oh, this bed is amazing. Now, even when I go to nice hotels, I go back home, I'm like, this bed is amazing. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, it, so it's much just getting back home. And I, yeah. I think what it has to do with is, is like, if you wake up in the morning, you have aches and pains, your bed probably sucks. Yes, I know there are like, you know, other physical things, your training, what are you doing, injuries, all that. But like, if you're healthy, and you're still waking up like a little cramped in your neck and your, you know, back. I think a big part of that is that your bed just sucks. That it's not supporting your body in the right kind of places at the right levels. Um, there's a whole science to that, and I think that's why, like, there's certainly a, a comp, let's say, a, a um, factor between price of bed and quality of bed. Same for pillow. Again. Um, you know, you can look more into, just Google it, and you'll find more information on, like, how you're supposed to, you know, stabilize or make sure your spine is neutral mm -hmm. so that you're not sleeping with your head kind of, like, up or down because, again, that, that sort of unnatural position is going to then... And I would say buy a new pillow every yeah. one, two years. All right. Okay. So... Something that people will overlook. Yes. Anyway. And that's actually what all the sort of the, the better pillow manufacturers say. Yeah. Okay. It, it's not like a forever item, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, other things uh, that I do um, and people can try is uh, supplements. So there are obviously sleep drugs and, you know, sleep specific supplements. But even the basics would be something like magnesium. 
uh, zinc, um, which can help basically promote that kind of parasympathetic mode uh, to de-stress your body, put you into that kind of relaxing state a little bit. Um, melatonin in certain cases, I, I don't use that like regularly, but um, if you have sleep issues or jet lag, small doses that can be uh, helpful. Uh, again, that's a hormone that regulates your kind of body's uh, sleep rhythms in terms of, uh, you know, in the morning you get a cortisol spike, which is how you wake up and you feel energized and all that. But there's a certain cycle again with the circadian rhythm and, and melatonin is, is the, the chemical that is basically telling your body to, to uh, shut down and, and uh, you know, go to sleep and get into that deep sleep uh, state. Um, one that I would mention is earplugs. Oh yeah. Especially just if there's no, noise generally. Yes, noise, noise, yeah. noise, in general. Well, I think it would be better to get rid of the noise than. <laughs> but if let's say you happen to live in a in a in an apartment where yeah. the the neighbors are noisy, oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah, where yeah. you know there are screaming children, or yeah. what have Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Gunshots. <laughs> yes, could be in a dangerous construction neighborhood. Construction work. Construction. Exactly. Anything. Yeah. yeah. So it, that's true. Like you know. Uh, you never know what circumstance that people are living in, but if, if that's an issue, I think definitely sound uh, would be something to, to invest in. Um, I'm actually currently testing uh, myself with uh, binaural beats, so uh, without getting too geeky into it, but it's this basic idea. And, and there's pretty solid research around it that if you blast in relatively low volume um, two slightly different frequencies into your left and right ear, um, the, the difference in the frequency, so usually it would be like two hertz uh, difference in the frequency, uh, it will actually uh, promote this uh, very low frequency um, adaptation in your brain waves. So th like at the end of the day, this is what sleep stages are. It is actually the, the sort of pa electrical pattern of the waves in your brain um, signaling. So, you know, like we don't know exactly what's going on in the brain when it's in deep sleep or REM sleep, but we can pick up from this electrical signal to say, oh, now it's in deep sleep, now it's in REM sleep. And so these different uh, frequencies can sort of, I guess, nudge the brain to like, hey, let's get into the deep sleep mode, kind of a gentle uh, nudge into the direction of deep sleep. And, and apparently, you know, there, there's good research results to say that people can actually like significantly increase uh, their deep sleep by listening to this kind of it's like static yeah, noise yeah. it's quite so silent you, have, like, you have to have earphones in your head all night. during sleep that's yes. super uncomfortable it is uncomfortable but what, what I've noticed so I've been trying this now for probably a week or two um, I don't want to say this is like going to work for everybody the first night I tried it I had two hours of deep sleep I, and again, I usually have 30 minutes, so that yeah, was quite But you can only sleep on your back in that case if you have something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I noticed myself, because I've been doing it now for a week, is when I, if I turn, then I wake up because I'm like, ah, it's like uncomfortable because it's getting jammed in my ears. So it's not perfect. And what I do if I wake up in the night and I notice that they're uncomfortable, I just take it off. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I, again, the, the deep sleep cycle is in the beginning the sound, of... Um, no, no, you can't because it okay. has to go in one ear and oh, the other ear. Oh. So if you just listen it, to it from loudspeakers, it's total waste because okay. it's not the frequency of the sound, it's the difference in the frequency between the left and right ear. Yeah, yeah. So th that's the key thing. It's trying to induce kind of a little um, complementary wave within your brain to tease it into this uh, deep sleep state. But I think again, because deep sleep happens in the early part of the night, um, 
I think you might even get some of those benefits if you're just doing it while you're falling asleep. Yeah. So then right? you take, take the earphones off? Yeah, like as soon as you, it bothers you, just take it off. But I, I don't think you're going to do any harm to your falling asleep or your deep sleep by uh, doing that. Um, unless it's like extremely uncomfortable just to have them in your ears. I but see I think a that's clear need in the market useful. for super comfortable earphones. Exactly. Sleep. Because you don't yeah. want to get the, yeah. you know, it, it cannot be um, wireless because obviously nobody wants to get any of that. Yeah, yeah, that's one. I, I, I personally am not a huge fan of wireless headphones. I just feel like it's yet another signal close to your brain that's potentially doing stuff that you don't necessarily have research about, but it's probably not helping your brain, let's put it that way. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if I would be in an airplane, um, the next time I would 100%, I would just use the binaural beats. Because in an airplane, you physically can't sleep on your side, so you're going to be sitting anyway. So, and, you know, most people have headphones on just to cancel noise. I would just put on the binaural beats on, on replay, and I, I would be surprised if I wouldn't see some difference there. So that's, that's something I've been testing. And, I've been and, using uh, that for quite a while. So. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Wow, what a, what a big info package about sleep um, and the, the benefits of actually sleeping. Um, sleeping more, sleeping in a better quality as well. It can literally save your life, uh, if you may. Um, help you or extend it at least. Extend it, <laughs> absolutely. Um, help you to live a longer and healthier life. It's one of the, I've thought about this as, as being one of the easiest hacks that you can actually do in your life without having to like pay a lot of money for something without having to completely change your lifestyle but it's, it's actually something something that everyone can can start implementing in their lives um, very easily and quickly as well yes it would mean that there's a bit less netflix a bit less social media scrolling a bit less hanging out with uh, with friends or, or at least a, a little less time um uh, being out for after work drinks or whatever that might be but it but the the benefits of this um would would extend far beyond uh, the, the few minor adjustments you would need to do to your lifestyle. So any any final tips from uh, from you guys in terms of how could we sleep better? I would my tip would be sort of look at your life and thinking about that precious evening time. Um, what's the key thing that you'd be missing? If it's if it's Netflix, then just you know grow up you're you're not going <laughs> to exactly. get anything from that yeah. but if it's let's say social interaction if it's quality time with friends or something try to figure out a way to incorporate that social part into your day um in some other way mm. so meet up with friends over lunch yeah um meet up with them uh, immediately after work and go for a walk or do a workout together or something you can still have that social aspect in your life which is really good for your health as well. We can dive into that later um, on in some other episode. But if you look closely into that few hours period, like let's say 10 p.m. to midnight, that is your precious me time and that you, you, you really appreciate. Mm. What's the important part of that? And is it possible to somehow shift it to another uh, time point exactly. of your day yeah. and once you have that figured out it's actually quite easy to go to bed at 9 or 10 p.m. Yeah. Indeed. It's and then all about you wake, scheduling. Yeah. yeah and then you know all the other stuff uh, all the hacks all this stuff comes after you've learned the sort of the habit of yeah, actually going to bed in time and waking up 
regularly at the same time. I think that's a key point, and that's a very, very key tip right there, which is that you don't need to invest in, in any of the, the sort of sleep hacks or, or, or sleep aids or whatever. Um, the first step would be clearly to adjust your schedule, make sure you go to bed early enough for you to be able to sleep enough in terms of quantity-wise as per what we mentioned in the beginning. And then again, make it easy for yourself. You don't want to sacrifice the important things in your life. Just shift it. Make it work around your schedule. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, um, the other tip that I would recommend is, is probably get some kind of a sleep tracker. You're seeing that sort of um, data pattern, how your sleep is improving, how the quantity of it is increasing, and how the quality is improving when you then later on experiment on the hacks. That's quite motivating. It is, and whatever you start measuring in your life starts improving, usually. Exactly. Helps you a lot um, to build that habit. Exactly. Aki, any final tips, comments? Um, well, I've been quite focused on the um, kind of sleep preparation. Um, uh, almost, you know, uh, probably the, the previous thing I was solving for was the, the morning routine. And now that that's kind of like done to the level that I, I don't think about it at all. I just do it every day. Now I'm sort of thinking about the, the sleep ritual. Um, and just trying different things. Like, I guess... Subjectively, um, you know, how stressed do I feel when I go to bed and I decide I'm now going to sleep? Like that—that's, I think, a good subjective measure. Obviously, I'm, I'm looking at more quantifiable things, also in the, the morning stress scans that I do and the different data points and the sleep stages and whatnot. But I think, you know, I think that subjective measure also counts for something. It's like if you if you go to bed and you're like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be bad like every night then clearly you have a lot of work to do, I think, in the sleep preparation. So again, like we didn't talk about it that much, but you know, uh, breathing exercises, um, meditation can, meditation can be huge um, tools to put your mind and body in this kind of relaxed, comfortable, parasympathetic state where you're not, you know, ready to fight lions and, and you know, kind of defend your honor uh you're just you've given up on like everything that i've needed to do for this day is done i don't have anything that i'm worrying about yet for tomorrow so you're in this kind of like no man's land that like i i have nothing more to do i think like whatever you can do preparation wise to get into this kind of feeling i think then is would be like successful uh sleep preparation and the last thing i would just mention is um with all of this i think still it's better to not try to force sleep. So if you're not tired, I think the worst thing you can do is just like wait in bed and you know hope that the sleep is going to come. I think you know there, there's some uh, potential um, benefits through research you could say around the you know that quality is more important than the quantity. But I think if you're stressing a out about falling asleep, it's probably not going to help your quality Vicious either. Cycle. So, you know, whether it's reading, audiobook, breathing exercise, warm shower, um, something like, again, like don't go back to the Netflix, don't go work out or some like sort of daytime activity thing, but Have just a huge choose, meal. choose, a, yeah, exactly, like <laughs> night eating. Comfort oh, meal. Go eat some <laughs> ice cream now. 
Um, so if you're not tired, I think you just have to have a list of things that are pro-sleep that you will then do. If it takes you two hours and you're still reading and whatever, that's that's fine. Like do, do something which is... But you're still resting. Exactly. Preparing exactly. for that good yeah. quality sleep. Yeah. And uh, one last thing uh, that I forgot to mention, but my, my watch just buzzed me. The easiest thing you can do to help yourself stick to that routine, go to bed in time, set yourself a bedtime uh, alert that will buzz your phone or your uh, Apple Watch or whatever device you have yep. around 8 p.m. Yep. Like now it's 8 p.m. Mine just buzzed a while ago. Yeah. And um, anybody can actually, it's the bedtime app on the exactly. iPhone. Exactly, uh, I'm using that. that. So. so it's a, it's an inbuilt yep. thing Simple. It's free. and it just reminds you, oh, now it's actually yep. 8 p.m. if I forgot to look outside and see that it's pitch dark. Yeah, but also let's say you're watching TV or something, you're having dinner I think getting that notification is like, oh, that's right. Like, it's not about like, oh, go to sleep now. It's like, oh, I'm aware that in an hour's time or two hours time, I should be going to bed. Therefore, so now I should start, start thinking down. about the preparation. Yes. So if, maybe Absolutely. I'll finish this episode of Nailed It, but I won't start the next one. Or, you know, like I'm maybe going to finish this meal, but I'm not going to go for the dessert or the, you know, extra glass of wine. So it's just like starting to realize that now is the peaceful yes. time to... Yeah. And that's now. only one tick in the box that you said it. Um, mm. An inbuilt feature, easy as, as pie. So do okay. that for yourself. If, if nothing else, do that one thing. And uh, download Healthzilla. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it, 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 is, it is interesting because in the upcoming version of Healthzilla, we will have um, a lot of new cool features in terms of helping you to build um, these healthy habits, including improving your sleeping patterns as well in a very nice gamified incentivized way so do uh, keep your eyes and ears open open for that as as for what Aki mentioned in, in the beginning the new app will be will be released within the next few weeks or so um, towards the uh, the end of the year um, and so a lot of cool stuff coming up from the Heldzilla fam um, obviously do go and check out our website heldzilla.ai um, forward slash podcast to to find the show notes uh, find all the scientific research links and, and other uh, other useful information with regards to sleep. And same goes, by the way, to, to, to all the other podcast episodes we've done so far and for the future episodes as well. Do give us some feedback on how, how HealthZilla is helping you out in your daily lives, improving your health and wellness, reducing your stress and helping you to lead a healthier, better life indeed. That's it. It's a wrap. Thank you very much. Peace.